Well, each week on Irishman Abroad, I recommend books, and my tendency is to say you can buy them on Amazon or wherever you get your books. That's the phrase I tend to use. But maybe we need to think a little bit harder about where we get our books and how doing so can support our local community during these strange days. I first came across the community bookshop of Books at One when it featured in the Irish Times after it opened in 2016. And I guess it blew my mind a little bit the way this community bookshop operated as part of the community, as a service provider to the community, for the people and for schools in Lewisburg in County Mayo. The ultimate goal is to have a Books at One community bookshop in every town in Ireland, but these are challenging times and that just won't happen without our support. So here to talk to me today about Books at One community bookshops and the extraordinary work they do is Joanne Hunter, manager at Books at One. Joanne, thank you so much for coming on Irishman Abroad today. Thank you very much, Charlotte. It's great to be preaching to the converted. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you are, to be honest with you, Joanne. I'm not sure how many people know about just the concept of the community bookstore. So why don't we start with that? Because this is more than just an independent bookshop, correct? Absolutely. And I think you're right there, Charlotte, that people find it difficult to grasp the idea of a community bookshop. So I suppose the easiest way to explain it is that by their nature, our bookshops are social enterprises and we are setting up shop in areas where it wouldn't make sense for a normal commercial bookshop. Mm. So in that way, we are bringing you know, a choice of books. We are giving people a chance to buy their books locally in areas where they wouldn't normally have that opportunity. Right. And Lewisburg, I believe, never had a bookshop. It had a library. It had great bars and places where you could buy other items. Like you could buy, people might know the kind of pubs I'm talking about where you can get a box of nails and a set of boots behind the bar. But it didn't have a specific bookstore at any time in its history. Is that correct? Absolutely, yes. There is a library in Lewisburg and it works on part-time hours. And in fact, the premises that Books at One occupies now was a grocery shop back in the day and something along the lines of the pubs that you're talking about. This shop wasn't just for your bread and milk. You could buy fertilizer and you could buy animal feed there. And John, who actually grew up in that premises, with the shop at the front and the living quarters at the rear of the premises, now lives just next door to the bookshop. And he's delighted to Mm. see that there is a bookshop in there, you know, that once again, it's a thriving, you know, centre for the community. And people come in not just for their books, but they come in for the chat as well and for all the other activities that take place in the bookshop. Obviously not at the moment because of COVID, but in what we refer to now as normal times, a lot of other activities take place within the walls of the bookshop. Well, that's that's the really striking thing. And I know that people, like you say, will always try and look to, well, what's the financial or commercial goal of this? Like, how does this make economic sense? Whereas there's a higher ideal to this community bookshop concept that I think has nearly been forgotten in the world. And it might just come back as a result of what we're going through, because the steps you've taken in terms of allowing people 
private browsing sessions during the lockdown is it's it's astonishing and extraordinary but it it does again speak to this idea that actually making tons and tons of money off the bookshop isn't the first priority that's actually true yeah making a profit is not our priority but to be sustainable, we aim to break even. And I suppose anybody involved in the book industry knows that, you know, it's a struggle to to make a profit in a bookshop anyway. So we do need support over the initial period to set up the bookshops and support the people running the bookshop over the initial period. We are definitely not profit driven. We want to get books into people's hands. And, you know, we have come up with a few inventive ways of doing that. Like you mentioned that uh, we allowed for private browsing. We also we have an online shop now, but during the first lockdown, we were really caught on the hop because our online shop only allowed a certain number of products on it. But we you know, got the message out through social media, phone us up, send an email, drop a note in the door if that's what you want to do and people came to us that way and they were delighted to pick up the phone and talk to us maybe about books that we had read or books that they had read already and they wanted something similar and you know we're there's a real human at the end of our online shop or at the end of the phone the people working in the shop in Lewisburg are fantastic you know they will go to the ends of the earth to get whatever book our customers are looking for and we found you know that was how we managed to survive during the first lockdown but it was also why people came to us you know when we were allowed to reopen again and we were bowled over by the support from the local people i mean we it's a community bookshop we can't survive without the support of local people okay we get tourists during the summer but primarily we are serving our local community in lewisburg and now in Letterfrack in our recently opened shop. So what is the population of Lewisburg? It's, it's, is it about 500? It's in the hundreds, not in thousands. And actually a fact that I didn't know when I initially went to Lewisburg was that within the village there are only 40 permanently occupied houses. So, wow. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that was a surprise to me. Now, it is a lovely holiday destination and there are a lot of people that I would refer to as the temporary locals, you know, people that have been coming there since they were children and, you know, they might stay with grandparents, relatives or have their own holiday homes. So I would kind of class them as part of the, the local population as well. And I suppose because of Lewisburg being a tourist town, the word about Books at One spread, you know, leading to our plan now to bring Books at One to every county in Ireland. Mm, but like you say, it does need that initial seed money as such. And I understand that's where the One Foundation came in and kind of gave you or allowed the shop the €100,000 or so it needed to get going. Is that correct? Yeah, so Books at One was the brainchild of Declan Ryan of the One Foundation. So the initial Books at One shop uh, was a response really to the effects of the recession in Lewisburg. And he bought that premises and got together with local people. And together they decided that a community bookshop would work well. So um, the One Foundation has supported Books at One in Lewisburg and Books at One in Letterfrack. 
And part of my job now is getting other people on board who are interested in the concept mm. and who would like to support us. Like we're very excited about this project because it has huge potential. You know, it, it's got potential within each local community where we're going to locate. But also our long term plan is that these bookshops will become self-sustaining and eventually contribute to expanding the network because everybody who's involved so far and everybody who will become involved, you know, they have an entrepreneurial spirit as well as a love of their community. So by responding to the needs of the community, these bookshops will become financially sustainable and they will be a long-term part of the economic as well as the social life of the small communities where we're locating. So, like, I want to make it clear to the listeners because, you know, I've visited and I've seen the place in uh, Lewisburg and the main reason why I was like, we need to we need to do episodes about this kind of independent bookshop is because they, it's hard for people to conjure in their mind. Well, what is this? I mean, it's just a book with a shop with loads of shelves on it. Like, well, I don't understand what's the big deal here. But it, 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 that's because it is kind of harder uh, to articulate what it is. When I when I arrived with Mikey and Tina, I got shown around and you just get that sense immediately that it isn't the urge here isn't come in, get your book, get out. We, we don't want we don't want you here if you're not buying anything. It was yeah. it was a, a hub for the community to come to meet first of all, socialise together through books, have coffee here without that pressure, as they say, to to buy or get out. And then I was shown upstairs and this was the part of it that really got me excited as to this project of extending it to other towns and counties was the workspaces that were available upstairs. Now, I know that Irish people abroad who've come home and come home visiting and they go, I, I need to get my work done, but there's relations everywhere. There isn't a moment's peace in the house. How heaven sent would it be to know that there's a books and one in the town, wherever you are, that has these incredible workspaces upstairs with high speed broadband in them that you can use if you phone ahead, grab an hour. Have I got that right? Is that the idea there? Well, the idea in Lewisburg actually came about very naturally. So when the bookshop opened, it was a bookshop and a space for workshops, book club meetings, creative writing groups. Mm-hmm. But what actually happened was that some people were coming into the bookshop specifically to check their emails on their phone or on their iPad, on their laptop. And to be honest with you, it sort of ran counter to what we were all about because we want people to put away their devices, pick up an actual physical book and Mm -hmm. just get lost in the book. But we did also recognise that there was a need for high-speed internet access, which at the time wasn't readily available throughout Lewisburg. Uh, We had a space upstairs, which was basically storage space. And the idea was formed, you know, why not create a co-working space here where people can come in and rent the room for a half day or a day, get their work done, and then go off and enjoy the rest of their holiday, you know, knowing that they have looked after what they need to look after from a work point of view. And also we have some local students coming in using the space because if they're living in remote areas where the internet access is intermittent, they can come in and know that, you know, they'll get their work done in an hour or two. So, yeah, it works really well in Lewisburg and there was a lot of demand for it when we reopened during the summer. Now, our capacity was cut because of social distancing, but we managed to accommodate most people. You know, we were a little bit inventive in what we use as a, as a workspace. We 
allocated part of the shop to somebody who was really in a pickle that had an, an interview online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's why we're different, you know, because we're small and we're community based we'll respond to the needs of the people in the community. So in Lewisburg, it happened to be a co-working space. In the recently opened shop in Letter Frack, we don't have a co-working space because that need is already looked after in the community. But what was needed in Letter Frack was a little coffee dock that's opened all year round. So that has been incorporated into the shop in Letter Frack. And again, you know, it's something that's needed in the community, but it's also, you know, a nice natural way for people to come in, get their cup of tea or coffee, have a chat about books, and eventually they might become a book customer as well. So it's it's about bringing people in, whether they initially have an interest in books or whether they only have a passing interest in reading. And by making our shops open to everyone, you know, we are confident that we'll create this culture of reading and then it becomes a very natural part of daily life for people in those towns. Jordan's reader, heading over to London to see what lies beyond the shores, Mike, and I really hope it works out tremendously well for him. Hello, you're listening to the Irish Man Abroad podcast with me, Jarnath Regan. This is episode one. I am extremely excited about it. The move to England seems to have worked out for the best as Jarnath's chat show podcast and Irish Man Abroad has a million listeners every week. It's always up in the top one, two or three of the most popular podcasts in a given week. Irish Man Abroad has earned rave reviews for fancy newspapers like The Guardian, The Irish Times. I listened to a lovely interview this week by Jarnath Regan on the Excellence and Irishman Abroad podcast. He has just returned from a trip to the Edinburgh Fringe where he recorded the 100th episode of his hugely popular broadcast series An Irish Man Abroad. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm a big fan and it's going from the experience in Europe was beautiful. Charlotte Regan, he did a great job. I met him in Edinburgh. The one, the one I like is the Irishman abroad one, and mainly because the, his interview style is so brilliantly ramshackle. At the start, it really annoyed me. It has to say, it really annoyed me at the very start. When they sweat the technique. You think it's ramshackle? Yeah. No, I, I think Charlotte actually really is ahead of the game, actually, when he's interviewing. It's uh, an honour, Charlotte, to love your podcast. So <laughs> well, thanks, thanks a lot. Somebody told me about your podcast a few years ago, and I obviously travel a lot. The Irishman Abroad definitely take the box, and I've downloaded a lot of your podcasts. And Most of all, it's a time for honesty, lads. Honest Ken early there. How you doing, Mark? <laughs> Honest Ken, you showed the way in the very first broadcast I heard in 2017. This is from an Irishman Abroad. I think you had half of the uh, previous uh, Irish rugby team on it. I was getting, uh, for God's sake, will you, will, you, will you do me a favour? Will you get him <laughs> off my back? Will you just talk to him? <laughs> The motivation to read at the moment among young people and kids specifically has blown me away when I see how my son devours books. And, uh, you know, for all the talk about tablets and devices, how voracious a reader he is ploughing through multiple books. All he wanted from Santa this year was books. It was that's great to hear. Absolutely extraordinary. I mean, there obviously is this side to things that isn't talked about when everybody's throwing their hands in the air and going, oh, sure, they're all just gaming now completely. There seems to be an appetite there that wasn't there in the past. And then the numbers bear that out. The book sales bear that out. Um, 
I, I do think we need to talk about uh, COVID-19 and the world we're living in right now. But I don't want to make that the centrepiece of our episode here because this episode will be here for people who stumble across it a year from now when hopefully all of this is behind us. So I thought before we talk about COVID-19 and the impact it's having on you guys and what you're hoping to do in the future, we should talk about some of the success stories and some of the stories that have emerged from the community uh, in Lewisburg and Letterfrack as a result of books at one. A couple of things were said to me about uh, youngsters in the community uh, providing work for them and even uh, the story that I read about a woman coming in who had forgotten her glasses. There's just so many touching stories connected yeah, to the, yeah. the bookshop. Maybe you could tell us a couple of those. And I suppose, Jared, that's why, you know, any of us involved in Books of One, whether as an employee or a volunteer, we get more out of it, I think, than we put into it mm. because we're all doing something that we love. And it's true, the interaction with people you know, that we can build on this sense of community. So like the people who come into us, they're our customers, but they're also, you know, people that you have a chat with, casual acquaintances, friends. And I think it's all about building relationships with those people. And then the books don't, they're not a commodity. You know, a book is a way of starting a conversation with somebody. Mm. So you mentioned there about the lady who came in without her glasses. Yeah, I felt for her because I've got very bad eyesight as well. <laughs> so we had to walk around the shop and she picked up, uh, I think, four or five books that kept her going through the rest of the lockdown. We also have, you know, teenagers coming in, girls maybe aged 13 to 14 when they're at that kind of awkward age. But, you, but um, you've, you've skimmed by the important bit there, Joanne, in that story of the woman who forgot the glasses, that she was looking for the right books for her and not having the glasses she couldn't tell which ones were so you read the the blurbs to her and yeah that was I, how she I, I made like her choice element. yeah because like I'm a bit of a book pusher you know in my previous <laughs> jobs I used to always have books in my desk and any of my co-workers or anybody that I came across through a work environment, I would say, look, just let me read a bit of this to you. And <laughs> I know you like this book. So that day when that lady came in, you know, she'd had a tough time during lockdown. And it, it, we were the first shop that she came to. And like it was actually a privilege for us to be able to, you know, open the doors and leave her into the bookshop on her own because her health was compromised. So she uh, told me the type of books that she liked. So we went and she wanted secondhand books because she wanted to buy a lot of books. So we went to the secondhand section and we went through, you know, some of the Irish authors and we went through some of the romance. And I was in my element reading the blurbs to her. And then she picked um, some books that she would have been familiar with the author already. But then she picked one or two others. She goes, look, I'll take a chance on them and this might set me down another path. So that was lovely. Yeah. You know, it, it was nice for her that, you know, she didn't have to get into the car and go home and get her glasses. Now, prior to COVID, we have a supply of glasses in the shop that we'd give out to customers, but that kind of thing now mm -hmm. is frowned upon. So, um, yeah, that was I, that, that was one of my best days in the shop, actually, to be honest with you. Um, well, well, you know, when I talked to my wife about Lewisburg before we went out that direction, she said she remembered the town being so vibrant as a youngster that she said it felt like the Kilkenny Cat Laughs Festival was taking place at all times. There was just music coming out of every corner. The, shop, the shops and stores just seemed to have this buzz about the place. And that when we arrived there, she couldn't get over 
how maybe it's because she was bigger, but the place is so tiny. She was always felt that it was this heaving festival. Uh, that change in the town that's taken place over decades. Um, this this store <laughs> must have injected something back into the place that other towns must be thinking. Oh, Jesus, we if that's all it takes is for the community to band together for one bookshop that could work for us too. Have I got that about right? Yeah, I mean, following that article in the Irish Times and actually, incidentally, Jarlett, that's how I became involved in Books at One. I saw this. I, Your comment was in this follow-up piece. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I remember the day, 23rd of December 2017, I was reading the Irish Times article on my phone and while I was reading it, my phone being twice with a friend and my sister saying, Joanne, read this. This is for you. So I suppose I got in the car and I drove to Lewisburg uh, when the shop reopened after Christmas. And that was the start of the journey that ended up with me in this position now where I'm trying to set these bookshops up in other areas. So you're right. I mean, that that article uh, drew a lot of attention to Books at One and people contacted us from all over the country. Now, we've met a few hurdles on the way because, it, as I mentioned before, it takes a lot of money to set up a bookshop. You need the right premises and you need the right person. But we managed to open the bookshop in Letter Frack just before Christmas on the 15th of December. And for 2021, we're going to have a books of one in County Cork eventually and <laughs> one in Dublin as well. So um, I think we're taking it, you know, fairly slowly and steadily at the moment because... If we're doing this, we're doing it right. Mm. You know, we're not just going to jump in without being prepared. So we've learned a lot from Lewisburg and from Letterfrack and from another area where we actually didn't go ahead. So that's all helping us, you know, to meet with people in these local communities and say, you know, this is what we envisage. Is this what you what you have in mind? Do you have people that are interested in taking this on? It's not something that can be, you know, run entirely by volunteers. You need somebody committed to it and you need volunteers. And, you know, we have other communities that will be coming on board in 2022 and down the line. So it's a learning process for all of us. But we have a wonderful team. And I think that is something that's very important. OK, it's about books. It's about getting premises. It's about putting the finance in place. But like it won't happen without the right people. And we have a fantastic team at the moment. Our staff and our volunteers in Lewisburg, like they're second to none. They love what they do. And I think their enthusiasm is drawing more people into the shop. You know, despite COVID, when the shop does open in between lockdowns, we are actually attracting more customers and selling more books than we did in 2019. So like that's a positive. So we're bringing all these learnings and all the people that have come on board to advise us in a voluntary capacity. We're now building on that and bringing it to other communities. So I suppose, Jarlett, you know, watch this space because it is very exciting. Well, here's your chance to give a a shout out to to the team. How big is the team? Who's on it? Give me some names. Well, we have an advisory group. We've well, uh, the directors of, of One Foundation Books Limited are all experienced, you know, in business mm-hmm. and in finance and philanthropy. So, um, but they on the on the ground though, on in the shop um, itself. Uh, on the ground, we have two staff at the moment in Lewisburg and Greg is our manager there. He has a background in art, so he's brought another 
you know, little niche to books at one, whereas where he can bring in activity books, art books, advise people. And that has been very important recently as well, because people want something to do as well as something to read. And we have Shelley, who does in uh, story time on a Saturday morning. And that has moved online. So she does story time over Facebook and on YouTube. I think I met Shelley. Was she from Texas or something? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we had a laugh during the summer because there was a book out called A Saint from Texas. So, you know, we said we have our own saint from Texas in the bookshop. And Greg is actually um, Australian. Um, Greg Fletcher, I suppose straight out of Summer Bay is the way I describe him. But his wife is from Mayo. So he has that local connection and his kids are going to school in Westport. And then we have Dimna Clark, who works with us part time as well. And Dimna has a background in writing herself and she has a huge knowledge of books. So we get a lot of book donations. And, you know, sometimes an obscure book will come in that you or me mightn't be familiar with it. But Dimna is our go to woman for, you know, looking at books and deciding straight away, you know, either this will sell or I know somebody who will want this book. So. It's all about, you know, it's all the small things, you know, Shelley's great at story time. Greg is great at the art and activity books. Dimna is great with her knowledge of Irish books in particular. And as our, you know, staff and group of volunteers grows, we're adding more skills. We have volunteers who come in and do something just as simple as reorganizing the books on the shelf, Hmm. which might not sound like much, but in the summertime, when you have a lot of people in and out taking books off the shelves and putting them back in the wrong place, that's something that you mightn't get around to doing, you know, until half six or seven o'clock in the evening when the shop is closed. We have um, Stephen, he's only 15 and he comes in every Saturday and he could be doing anything from pricing the secondhand books to power hosing the yard, you know, so, you know, Everybody is willing to just chip in. The the men's shed actually got involved with us just this year gone by and they made beautiful benches for outside the bookshop. I'm not sure if they were there actually, Jared, when you you visited. I don't think they were. I'm not not sure. I was there in August. These benches are in the shape of an open book and they're decorated with local poetry. And some of that poetry was written by children in Santa Maria College, which is a local secondary school. So like, it's great for them to walk by and see their poetry on a seat outside a bookshop. And like the men's shed were fantastic in getting that together for us. And we also have the Rural Social Scheme involved. Two ladies from the Rural Social Scheme look after the window boxes at the front of the shop and they look after the garden to the rear of the shop. And their kids come in, actually, one of their uh, boys, he's he's one of our best customers. He's about, I think, maybe 11 or 12. But he knows about the new kids books that are coming out nearly before we know about them. And he's always on the pre-order list. And um, mini you mentioned there, Jared, about... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Jared, you mentioned about your son turning to reading recently. So this young guy, um, I suppose because they're spending more time at home, he's chatting to his dad about the books that his dad read when he was young. So like he's gone through all the Secret Seven and Famous Five and he's now actively looking for the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew books that were out, you know, in the 70s and in the 80s that can only be found secondhand. Mm. So is there anybody listening (laughs) that has Hardy Boys books? Send them on. We know somebody who would appreciate them. So it's just through all the kind of ancillary ancillary activities around the bookshop, 
you know, people coming in like that, you know, maybe installing the seats or even people who need to do the repairs and maintenance on the shop. And a lot of that is done on a voluntary basis as well. You get into a conversation about books or about some event that will be happening in the shop. And that's how people come to us. You know, it's it's not rocket science. It's very natural. We're another open door on the street, as well as the gala shop, the chemist, the local cafe. And there was a craft shop, which has recently closed down. So we have a nice little, you know, um, what I say, cluster of local businesses where we're all working together. We're particularly focused on getting people to read and getting people to come in and talk about books. But we can only do that if we work with all the other businesses and all the other voluntary organisations in the town. Well, when when I was growing up in Ireland in the 80s, I mean, I think in school you'd come up with ideas and things for the community and you'd go, we could do this. This is an idea. Sure. And there, there was always an attitude, I felt, and probably through the 90s as well, of oh, sure, that had never worked in Ireland. Sure, everybody would just steal the stuff. Or, you know, there was an idea at a time that Dublin bikes couldn't work. Sure, people will melt down the bikes and, you know, turn them into knives. You know, this kind of nonsense where there was a lack of faith in people's ability to observe a generosity between ourselves in uh, because it raised up the community and gave us all something back. And sure, there's going to be some gobshites. There will always be a couple of people <laughs> that just don't want it to succeed and would rather things stayed the way they were. And, you know, in the Mrs. Doyle sense of things, maybe I like the misery. <laughs> there, There's <laughs> the, the thing I take away from our conversation and everything I hear about books is one is that these things in this Ireland can work and will work with the right uh, will in uh, your heart and the people who are devoted and committed to it. The community will follow if you lead them. And I really feel like you guys are doing that. And I just can't wait to see these things popping up all over the place and them to be a fixture in Irish towns in the same way as a Lions Club might be in in every town in Ireland. Joanne Hunter, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you on the show and I really appreciate you, you taking the time to do it. And I guess I'll see you in Lewisburg or Letterfrack during the summer. Or Cork or Dublin or, or all four. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Jared, thank you so much. I love talking about books. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. No problem. Thanks, Joanne. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being Jared. That was Joanne Hunter from Books at One. Our chosen charity partner, as always, on Irishman Abroad is Jigsaw.ie. All you have to do is Google Books at One if you want to make contact, if you'd like to talk to them, if you want to reach out, if you want to donate some books, if you want to just find out more. Just Google Books at One. Find them on Twitter or Instagram. Brian Connolly is in charge of production on the show as always. John Marr does the extra research. Tina and Mikey make it all possible and I will see you next time for something a bit more positive in all of this. So I, lo I love this kind of a positive chat when we're surrounded by a certain amount of bleakness. I'll talk to you then.
Shout love